We are in a series called Empowered to Overcome, and we're in this series because victory is our birthright. In Christ, victory is a birthright. And so Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 1 John 5.4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I want you to pay attention to that because in the very end, I'm going to bring this back around, and I'm going to challenge you on what faith really is according to Jesus. Second, uh, two Easter's ago, I actually had a message that I spoke about the resurrection and the, and the salvation and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and through that, how he has given us the ability to have dominion in every area of our life. Revelation 12:11 says this, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. What does that mean? I didn't love, they didn't love what they're doing here on earth so much that they wouldn't give time to Jesus. They didn't love their lives and their, their occupation and the way that they did, their, and we were able to enjoy life so much that they weren't willing to give up some things for the sake of Christ. They overcame by the word of the testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has empowered us and made awesome promises to the church, to those of us who endure, persevere, and become overcomers here in this life. Look at this. In, in Revelations, he writes to the church of Ephesus, Revelations 2.7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. To Pergamos, Revelation 2.17, says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone... And on a stone, a new name written, which no one, ex no one knows except he who receives it. Part of the blessing of going to heaven and making our way to heaven is knowing and learning our identity and who we were, knowing who we are. Part of the curse of going to hell is not knowing, ever knowing who you were or what you were here to do, who you're meant to be. To Thyatira. Revelation 2, 26, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give him power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star, Laodicea. Revelations 3.21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on, the, on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. There's two realities in this life. You either, you either become an overcomer or you're overcome. There's no other option outside of that. So you got to choose to put on Christ daily to become an overcomer in our struggles, in our trials, in our situations, in our shortcomings or you're continually overcome, perpetually overcome by those shortcomings. There is no other options. You can't opt out. Jesus did not die on the cross to give us the ability to cope. Jesus died on the cross to give us the ability to conquer. Here and now in this life. So we are, we are purposed to be overcomers in life. But right now, let's make it a little bit more specific. Last week we talked about overcoming fear. This week we're talking about overcoming rejection. And this is going to hit deep. I'm going to go slow at moments because this, this is real for every human being. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, humanity has suffered rejection when they were removed from the garden. 
All of us have experienced it. All of us will experience it. And there will be, reprac- there will be reciprocating moments when we're experiencing the idea, the feeling, the sense of rejection. Isaiah 53 is a messianic prophecy. What that means is it's a prophetic word in the Old Testament that would speak towards the one day coming and has now come, Messiah, Jesus Christ. Well, even in that, Jesus is rejected by his own people. The Jews to this day, they will not read Isaiah 53. They read 52, they skip to 54. The reason is they reject the fact that the Messiah has even come. A rabbi in the 17th century actually admitted, he said, we used to read from Isaiah 53, but we stopped because it caused too much argument and division. Rejected. Even after death. Rejected. Isaiah 53, 2 says this, For he he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's not really a handsome guy. So they didn't come to Jesus because, man, he's just handsome, super charismatic. What a wonderful, wonderful looking man. No. God says he's ugly. He's not ugly. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and and we hid as it were, our faces from him, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our, sorrow, our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. He, he, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In short, he got what we deserved so that we could get what we don't deserve. Everything, that, everything, all the wrath that we deserve, God the Father put it on him, and he accepted it because of love because of his grace, because of his mercy that he had for each and every one of us. Jesus was the most rejected person in all of history. When he was born, his own father, who was not actually his father, Joseph, Mary's husband, rejected him as being his son, Mary's son. Rejected the fact that she told him the Holy Spirit had impregnated her. It took an angelic visitation for Joseph to realize and accept the fact that he is, Jesus is from the Holy Spirit. As a baby, the king of the day, king, he was after Jesus to kill him because there would be no other kings before him, he thought. And so Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt to get away from him. Nazareth is where he grew up. In Luke 4, they tried to kill him. When he started his ministry, the people of Nazareth said, you're not, you're not the Messiah, what are you talking about? We know you, you're Jesus, you're just a little boy, a little carpenter's son. They took him to the edge of a cliff on the edge of town and they tried to throw him off. They tried to kill him, rejected. In Mark 3, when Jesus started his ministry, his family thought he was crazy. Like, oh, Lord, Jesus is out there doing it again. We got to go get him and bring him home. Exactly what they tried to do. Rejected. The Jews handed over Jesus to be killed. Even Jesus' own disciple set him up. And ultimately, God the Father put Jesus, put on Jesus everything we deserve so we could get what we don't deserve. And Jesus took sickness, he took pain, he took sorrow, but he also suffered rejection so as a byproduct, we could receive acceptance. 
And on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And this is the first time he didn't call him father. So from birth to death, Jesus suffered rejection, but it didn't affect his decision making. It didn't affect his attitude. It didn't affect the way he treated others. And it didn't affect him. It didn't keep him from fulfilling the will of God on his life. And the reality is that every one of us have or will experience rejection. As, a hu- as human beings, we are created for love, and God is love, and God is our creator, and because of this, because love is our greatest need, rejection is our greatest fear. You know, many people would actually, they actually fear public speaking more than they do death. They really, I just, just, just died, and I'm not going to get up there, Nope. What I'm doing right now, people fear more this than actually death itself. The reason is mass rejection. You know, it's one thing to be rejected by one person, but it's something else to be rejected by hundreds or thousands, all right? So don't do it. <laughs> don't mess with me. So this is a big issue. It's a control point. It's a place where, where Satan can use and manipulate us and begin to, help, to begin to use these hurts and these wounds to cause us to make decisions, to manipulate us, to make decisions. And this, this is why believers can be oppressed by the devil, though they're not possessed. Let me, show you, let me talk to you about forms of rejection. One is being, being unwanted as a child, not being accepted or just being excluded, lack of attention, lack of affection, being excluded from relationships, activities, sports, or whatever it might be, being laughed at or being made fun of can be very hurtful, sense of rejection, being a gossip or lied about, being compared in an unfavorable way. You're never going to be skinny enough. You're always going to be fat. You're not pretty enough. You're not as pretty as they are. Why can't you just be like your brothers? Why can't you be like your sisters? Compared in an unfavorable way. Rejection. Divorce is a huge scar of rejection. Adultery, abandonment, emotional, physical, verbal, sexual abuse has huge scar of rejection. Neglect. Not being chosen or favored or accepted for who I am, which includes racism, sexism, discrimination for any kind or any purpose whatsoever. Neglect. Having, having to attain physical, financial, social, or spiritual standards to be accepted, they're out of my reach. I'm never going to be tall enough. never going to be pretty enough. never going to be skinny enough. never going to be rich enough to hang out with those people. I'm never going to be spiritual enough to be in that group since rejection. Chronic lack of, unemploy- uh, lack of employment can cause a deep rejection in a person's life. Being rejected by a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or someone you desire to have a relationship with or have had a relationship with. Rejection. Rejection. Obviously, very deep rejection. Premature death. As odd as it may seem, when people die early... Family members have a sense of rejection, especially if that family member committed suicide. A mother or father has committed suicide, the child, the child takes it upon themselves, and they think, what's wrong with me? Then my parent had to kill themselves. That's why, that's why the percentages are high when parents have committed suicide, the children one day, or a child in the family, may do the same. 
rejection. Most of us have experienced rejection on many levels, but unfortunately, some of us have a spirit of rejection. And that spirit of rejection will creep in and speak in, and it will manipulate, control, use us. And what that means is we meet, it means we expect it, we live it, it defines who we are. We just know no matter what situation we're going into, we're going to get rejected anyway, and so we're going to have attitude that causes us to be rejected. No matter what happens in a relationship, it's not going to work out anyway. I'm just going to get rejected. I don't know why I'm going to this interview. I'm not going to be hired anyway. I'm already rejected. I'm not going to go to church. People are, they're all hypocrites. They're going to reject me. And so I'm not, I'm just going to stay at home. Rejected. So your truth comes from a spirit of rejection that is leading you and manipulating you and causing you to not live out God's will for your own life. Rejection. Let me give you some symptoms of rejection. Resentment, hatred, anger, bitterness, and ultimate rebellion towards parents, authorities, or God. These are symptoms. When you start to see these, it's like the fruit on a tree. Here's what that, tr- that tree is producing. Here's what that individual is producing. Here's what's going on in the inside of that individual right there. You start to see these symptoms, these attributes, you already know, oh, I know what they're wrestling with. Dysfunctional family life, inability to express feelings towards spouse, children, and extended family. Just can't talk about it. I don't want to talk about the hard issues. It's just too tough. I'm rejected already. No matter what, they're going to reject me. They're not going to talk with me. They're not going to accept me. Rejected. Relationships with others, overwhelming effort to please. Hey, do you mind? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you want to? Yeah. Hey, can I borrow $100,000? Yeah. Gosh, I really want to do it. I just want to be accepted. No matter what, yeah. Rejection. The the desire to be accepted. The inability to properly and maturely discuss tough matters and indifferences. Whoa. Man, so there's always isolation and there's brick walls and there's always stuff in between this relationship and this marriage and and the kids. We can't talk about any of the tough issues because there's so much rejection in our hearts. Oh, man, I wonder how the church would look if if there were people that could actually talk about the tough issues with leadership and and one another even. And whenever so-and-so, Miss Jenny at the greeter door, looked at me with a a strong eye and I just walked by her to get a coffee out of the hospitality instead instead of going and saying, hey, did I do something? Is something Are you okay? I just left the church because she had lint in her eye. Rejection. How about this? Opposite determination. Not going to agree with anything. Not going to agree with you for anything. No matter what you say. No, it's the opposite. Nope. Hey, did you know this, this is red? No, it's not. It's maroon. Hey, did you? Hey, you want, I think we should do this. No, we're not. No. You know, do you know that life is really tough. No, it's not. It's really easy if you just do this, this, and this, but then it gets tough if you just do that. They will say the same thing that you are. They'll just reword it another way so that they can be right and they not feel rejected and not have this sense of, no, you're not right. I'm always going to be right. Oh, and all across the room, everybody's saying yes and amen. We could just go, come to the altar. Let's all get healed and set free right now because you know what I'm talking about. I'm showing you what the spirit of rejection is doing to our lives, to the body of Christ, to your families, to your, to your marriages. I'm showing you what it's doing actually to your finances as well, to your business life, your occupation. I'm showing you exactly what's going on, and it's hard to look at sometimes because it has to look at you. You got to look it right in the face. 
my wife and I, we were on our sabbatical here in October, and we had a major breakthrough. Didn't you know that major breakthroughs come with some, some pain and some punches? Not physical punches. We were, we were in Aspen, Colorado, and finally, I'm on to something. I'm having, I'm having some moments, some time to study my family and get to know and, and, and see what's going on. What's the dynamic in my family? Why are we stuck in this cycle and stuff just isn't working, working out around certain situations? Why do we keep rounding this mountain every several months? What is going on? So I notice. I'm inspecting my kids. I'm watching them in their inner workings, and I'm noticing as they're being little annoying kids that we love so much, we get stressed out because we're trying to bless them, and they're crying over the very thing we're trying to bless them with, and they don't understand because they're, they're so wound up in their own selfishness. And so, so we, get, we take it out on each other, and then, and then we're arguing. I say, wait a minute. The stress with them is causing us to, we can't do that. And so we're in this place. We're in this restaurant, going into this restaurant called Michola, and and Allie is, uh, my wife is saying, well, where do you want to, where do you want to, where do you want to eat, inside or outside? The guy asked, and I said, well, I just didn't say anything. I just, I don't know, what do you want to eat, babe? Where do you want to eat? And this is all my fault, because I realized in this moment, right before, in this whole moment of, of, of pondering and watching, I realized I have let my life and my family get out of order. See, I got so busy in pastoring a church and general contracting a building for a church and investing in so many lives of others, because that's what I'm called to do, but I forgot to invest in my family first, and I forgot to watch them and lead them well. Did you, husbands, did you know that your wives, one of their four greatest needs is your leadership? Your godly leadership, for you to lead with their thought and their hearts and their needs in mind as you're making tough decisions for your family. Not lordship, not domineering, not control, not manipulation. Loving leadership is what they need. They need you to step up and make kind decisions with them in mind and knowing that here's what they really want, but they don't know how to get there, but I can get there because I have vision and God's given me vision as the leader of this home. But I started appeasing because I was so busy over here, I just started letting them make decisions over here. And so I started playing back seat and say, whatever you want to do, baby, I just want you to be happy. That's not, to, that's not a way to make your, husband, your wives happy. And so I realized, I said, Allie, she said, she got so upset, she said, why don't you help me? I mean, I'll, what do you want to do? You want to sit outside or inside? And I said, well, it doesn't matter, does it? Because as soon as I say something, you're going to say the exact opposite. Every time I said, look at this situation. When we were here, you did this. When you were here, I said this and you did this. When I were here, we said we, said we were going to do this. And you decided all of a sudden to do this. And here, look how it ended. Oh, we had a punching match in the restaurant with smiles and sharp jabs. And trying to look really cool in front of everybody. But we worked out some things, and I realized I hadn't been leading my family well, and it's causing her to step up and be stronger. And her rejections are, I'm feeling insecure because you're not leading well. And I don't know if I can trust your decisions because you're not making the difficult decisions whenever it means, when it's important for me, for a woman, it's the family life, not your work life. Yeah, the work provides, but that's not in the equation for a woman. My kids, my home. Me, my kids, my home, me. And so I realized we worked through some stuff, and it's been great. It's been great. But this, say this, it's going to be this. See, it's rejection. 
And it changes our attitudes and the way we deal with people. And it's cheating us from doing everything God would want us to do with our lives. One example in the United States is, is a spirit of rejection that moves through marriages. In the 1930s, 83% of adult, Amer adult Americans were married. And today, 49% of adult Americans are married. No, no, no. I've seen how that works for my parents. We're going to do life. We're just going to play house. That way, in case anything goes on that I don't like, I can have an easy out. No matter what, instead of, instead of fight, figuring out how we can fight our way in and fix things, we have gotten to this place because of a spirit of rejection. We're always looking for how we can get out of the situation. And it's compounding rejection in relationships. It's compounding relationships in families. It's compounding relationships in households, which affects the world around us. And what we're seeing is rejection upon rejection and people acting and responding out of rejection in our nation even right now. Because of you have rejected me and my people, we're going to overly reject you and your people. And because you're doing that, now we're going to reject you. And so this rejection is going back and forth because people are acting out of their wounds, hurts. The spirit of rejection is a fear of being rejected, and so as a society, we're just avoiding marriage and deep relationships. Let's discuss four common but unhealthy ways we react to rejection. Number one is we avoid the risk of rejection. We don't even try in relationships. We're just kind of complacent. Oh, yeah, we're just two people. We get together. We're just tired of being alone, but we really don't know, you know, kind of indifferent with each other. So we just kind of date because, I don't know, it's better, than, better to date you than just be alone. <laughs> not going to really invest a whole lot. I'm not going to get my heart involved, but I like it when you take me to Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> Rejecting others before they reject me. Oh, this is one of those moments. I remember this happened to me before, and so-and-so did this, and so when it gets to looking like this, nope, mm-mm. You're getting too close to my heart. No, I, you know what? I got, better, I got other things I got to do. I'm sorry I can't hang out with you anymore, and people just disappear. Lack of commitment. Conforming to my environment rather than being myself and expressing my thoughts due to trying to lay low. Man, I just, if I can just, I'm just going to stay quiet. Maybe they'll accept me. I'll just be very, very passive. I just want, to, just want to be around people. Hopefully I don't get rejected. So I'm just not going to speak up. But you're crying and you're screaming on the inside. I wonder if anybody would ever listen to me. Rejection. We shouldn't be unwise, but relationships are a risk. And anything done by faith is going to require a risk. And anything done by faith is going to involve rejection. If you, have, if you have lived a risk-free life, you have lived a meaningless life. Jesus knew everything he was doing was going to get him killed, but he did it anyway. And he knew the very man that was sitting at his campfire with him each night and breaking bread with him would one day betray him, but he loved him and he called him friend anyway. Losing... In the beginning of ministry, you, you don't, there's some, so many things that you don't know. And there's, there's so many things I don't know now. I'm, I'm, I'm learning as we go. But in the beginning of ministry, you think, because Christians are the greatest people in the world, but you think because you get saved, all of a sudden you're completely healed and so is everybody else that's saved. You don't realize that that's when it starts to get tough because you have the grace of God on your life to get through the tough times. 
And so you're deceived by this idea of what Christianity should be. And so you, you're engaging in these deep relationships and, and in ministry, you really love people and you really care for them and you want so much for them and your rejection and acceptance issues are, are working overtime and you kind of, you know, you get a little bit too involved and, and they, you don't realize they have stuff and they start to just drift out of your life with, with no answers, no, no, no statement, no know anything and all of a sudden rejection starts to sit in that happened in the beginning of my ministry when I started ministry and pastoring eight years ago and I remember I, I'm not going to do that again I'm not going to allow people to get close again and in that moment God said then I can't use you because if we're not going to be vulnerable he says if you're not going to be vulnerable then I can't operate through you because what happens is we put up walls we carry this facade. Now what's supposed to look like Jesus is just a version of, and it's a false version of, and then religion, tradition, dem demands, commands, domineering leadership starts to set in, and hurts upon hurts upon hurts begin to compound. Jesus did it for us, and so we do it for him. We give of ourselves for him. We put ourselves in harm's way for him. He told us we would be rejected. He was rejected. How can we expect anything different? So we do it for him. Number two is anger and aggression, the ways we react to rejection. Anger and re aggression. Rejected people are the most angry people on earth. School shooters, church shooters, rioters. Husbands and wives, rejected, angry, grows into bitterness. Rejection wounds, wounds us and creates bitterness and anger, resentment. And remember, Jesus hung on the cross, and while he was there, he was sitting there forgiving the people who put him there. Number three is hopelessness and despair. People who live this have a much higher death rate. They die sooner. They, they have a much higher mental and emotional problems and a, and a much higher suicide rate. Feel rejected. Nobody loves me. Might as well just end it. We have to remember that the devil is the hurt whisperer and he's looking for an opportunity to magnify any problem, any issue that we're going through. And the problem with the pain is not the pain itself. The problem with the pain is the message that's inside of the pain. Yeah. This situation happened and Satan's over there. Yeah, that's because they never cared about you anyway. They don't love you. They're just using you for your money. Oh, he doesn't really love you. He just has nothing else better to do. In the middle of an indifference, of a trial, of an issue, of a problem, the hurt whisper is just whispering little bitty lies. Oh, he just thinks you're too fat. She thinks you don't have enough money. She says you're not spiritual enough. It'd be much easier, though, if the devil would just present himself and show up in form, and we could see him, you could identify him, and you could realize, oh, that's just, that's just the voice of Satan speaking. But he doesn't. <laughs> but he doesn't. He shows up. He's, he's whispering, and there's this subliminal thought that starts to ruminate in your mind, and you start to meditate on it, and you just start to, well, maybe think, maybe, maybe she doesn't really love me. 
Maybe, maybe I can't get a job. Maybe I can't hold a job. Maybe I never will be successful. Maybe my marriage, maybe my marriage never will work. Maybe that's true. Because every time we just can't work things out, every time we just have this problem, every time we have this issue, and rejection is working through two people who are broken and hurting and trying to find a solution, but they don't understand. They're listening to the hurt whisper, and he's manipulating both of them to try to destroy what's going on in their lives. Rejection. Here's what he speaks. No one will ever love you. Why do you even try? People don't love you because God doesn't love you. You're defective. Something's wrong with you. You're a loser. You're always going to be disappointed. Don't let people inside because they're, they're always going to hurt you. People don't care about you. They just want to use you and get what they want. These are the little things inside of us that come in and they program us and they influence our decisions. So we go through life with little rejections and Satan speaks these little statements, these little words, and they begin to resonate in our mind and we don't check them against the word of God and they trickle down into our heart and over time from childhood, adolescence, teenage, young adult, here we are allowing these thoughts to ruminate in our mind, trickle down into our heart, and now they become a checkpoint, a way we judge decisions, relationships, issues, churches, uh, businesses, whatever it is I'm going through. We, we define those according to these lying whispers that Satan has given us over time, and we never put them under check. And now we're programmed. It's a lot like the Dominion program in the, in, the, in the computers for the presidential election. Oh, you voted this way? We'll just flip that and put that over here. Oh, God's word says this. The heart whispers in there just whispering little lies. Here's what you really need to believe. Here's the, here's the outcome of your situation, your relationship. And we believe that rather than putting it under the blood of Jesus. Instead of going to God's word and saying, yeah, yeah, but what do you say, Lord? And so we're programmed according to the spirit of rejection, and it's controlling us, it's moving our decisions, it's manipulating us, and it's causing us to make insufficient, productive, kingdom-minded choices that will change not only our families, but the world around us. Number four, being overly sensitive to rejection and overly dependent upon the approval and acceptance of others. Early in our marriage, uh, Allie and I had a lot of struggles. We, she, she had a lot of childhood rejections. I had a lot of rejections from adolescence and young adult. And, and a lot of it's my own decision making. But how she would deal with her rejections was completely different from how I would, re, I would deal. She had a lot of insecurities from her rejections. That would cause her to go a little bit overboard and strong. I, would, I had this macho mentality. She says it's arrogance. <laughs> Unreasonable even. No, you can't, you can't reason with me. You can't tell me your side because I know I'm right. Here's what has gotten me by for so many years and so many, it's protected me very well. So here's what it's going to be. That was, that was my mannerism. That was my attitude. That was my heart set. That was my mind. And so she would, she would look at me some way coming out of the bathroom or going down the hall. She'd have a stern look on her face and, and man, it would just prick at my heart and rejection just, oh, no, she didn't just disrespect me in my house. Or she would give me a tone of voice that was a little bit too strong because she's Latina and that's just, you know, how it rolled. And so, and so I would just take offense to it and like, no, she, did she? And the hurt whisperer saying, sitting there saying, did you hear how she just talked to you? Did you hear what she just said to you? She's just using you. 
She doesn't love you. And boy, that would burn inside of me, and I'd start believing. I'm like, yeah, that's true. She doesn't. But what kind of woman would love her husband and talk to him like that? And you just start marinating on it, and it starts to become truth and and real, and all of a sudden, your mind is made up that there's an issue, and you're going to win the next battle. And so I would say something, route a response to that, and it would it would mess with her insecurities because of her rejection, and she would fight back. And for two years, here we are doing this little spirit of rejection dance, just all over our house and all over our lives, doing this dance, being controlled by our rejections in our own heart. Rejection makes you very self-absorbed. It's like the whole world just starts to come in on you. And it's almost like you've got to protect yourself because nobody else cares about you. Nobody's going to be there for you. In fact, any time they are there for you, you can't trust them because the last person that was there for you, they didn't do things exactly the way you wanted them to, or they didn't agree with you what you were going to do, and they tried to speak life into you, and so there's no way they could be right because they don't care that much. So I reject them, and I call out myself rejected. They left me. You're, You're very offendable and very reactive. You also give in too easily or compromise your moral standards to be accepted. And there's something that takes place, I guess, over time in a a human's life because as you get older, it's almost like you get settled into your rejection and you start to create little defenses and ways of working through it. And in fact, you know, whenever you're young or you're just starting to date or court, you come in and you're you're skinny all the time. Your your stomach's stuck, sucked in and you're always looking really good and lean and clean. But then as you get older, you kind of walk in and you're rubbing your belly, you know, sticking it out a little bit. And all of a sudden, you, don't, you know, I don't have no need to get accepted anymore. I'm just, you're here, and you're kind of proud of it. Remembering all the work it took to get there. So, so you either get set free from rejection over time, or you just get settled into your rejection over time, whichever the one that is, I don't know. But let's talk about how to overcome rejection. You base your life on God's perfect love and what his word has to say about you. The ultimate acceptance is only going to come from Jesus. And his word just declares love and acceptance and truth over you. The only thing that that God Jesus threw was knowing God's love for him. Knowing that no matter what he was enduring, he was was going through with others, with situations and life, and he knew it was going to be tough. He He came to show us how this thing's supposed to work. On the way to the cross, he knew, but he knew the Father loved him. And he meditated on God's word along the way. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. To forsake means to turn your heart away. He will never turn his heart away from you. He he forsook Jesus in that moment on the cross because of sin that was put on him for all of mankind. And so we don't have to worry about him forsaking us. He promises he will never forsake, meaning he will never turn his heart away from you. 
in your rejection, in your rejecting him, in your rejecting his people, as you're putting up walls of defense between you and the people, his people, others, walls of defense between you and he, he is still on the other side peeking over, watching and leaning in and waiting for you to turn around and tear that wall back down because he loves you so much. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In Christ you are accepted. Any other thought that's outside of that is a spirit of rejection. It's the hurt whisper that's speaking into your life to manipulate you and keep you from being all God created you to be. Your life is not based on another individual. Your life is not based on another individual, even if it's your spouse or your child. Your life is not based on another individual, even if it's your, your pastor, your boss, your, your whatever, your, whatever it is. You can't say, I'm held back in life because of you. Because you've been accepted in the beloved. And you've received the ultimate acceptance that comes only from the Father through Jesus Christ, if you are in Jesus Christ. Therefore, your only foundation, your only understanding and definition of life is based on acceptance. And anything that you're battling with is from Satan himself. That must be brought under the feet of Jesus. John 6, 37 says, "All all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out or reject. You're not going to reject anybody. If you're feeling rejected, it's an issue that you're dealing with from your own experiences. The hurt whisperer, looking for that moment. That church will never accept you. You're not good enough. Psalms 107.20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. These destructions are their own internal self-destructions. Because we, we're, it's innate in us to self-destruct at some point until we fully find healing in every area of our souls based on the word of God. You see people that come out of families that one turns to alcohol, one turns to drugs, One turns to sexual abuse, one turns to pornography, one turns to rebellion, and the other turns to God. And it makes a huge difference which one you turn to. In Allie's family, she was the first person to turn to God at seven years old, 12 years old, turned to God. Then her mother, then her father, then her brother, and her sister grew up in a a Christian home. She didn't know any difference. She never knew our family weren't wasn't Christians. Took one to get saved. Every day, every day, I watch Allie get up, spend time with the Lord. And over the last seven years, I've watched as God has set her free from her rejections of her, her childhood, her pre-Christ and during Christ life. Getting in the Word, embracing His presence, applying his word to her life in spite of the situations and life happenings of the past. If you've been rejected or you're suffering from rejection, the number one answer is the love of God. 
Time does not heal all wounds. Time in God's presence heals all wounds. Don't forget that part. I'm telling you right now, he adores you. He adores you. If you've ever heard the voice of God and it doesn't love you, it's not from God. It's not from God. And you have to bind it and cast it out and put it back under the love of God and his word. Nope, that's a lie. I'm going to put that into check and I'm going to put the word of God back in that place. I must be struggling in this area of what, what the love of God because for some reason I keep ruminating and hearing this voice, this whisper, and so I need to check that voice. I need to check what it's saying and I need to go into God's word and extract God's word, his truth over this situation so I can put his word in this place because I must have a wound, a brokenness, a gap in my soul and the hurt whisper has a window so he can speak into my life and cause rejection in my life. That's a lot better than y'all responded. <laughs> Number two, pursue relationships with fellow believers who are pursuing God in healthy relationships. If you choose wrong, if you choose wrong friends, you're going to get your heart hurt. It's going to happen. Be wise. I got I to have relationships because the part of the cross is it's me and God, but can't be me, you and God without you and others. So I got to be wise. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. When I got saved, I, ha I had to separate myself from all my friends. God said, you need, you, need to, you need to give some space. So I challenged those friendships. I, I quit calling them. They quit calling me. I realized what those friendships were based on. They were just partnerships for common, common problems, common issues. When I started getting involved in the church that God took me to, that's when he began to bring people around me who loved me. And in spite of my history, in spite of my attitudes, they loved me anyway. They walked life out with me. They accepted me right where I was. And even though I tried to convince them of the things and the person I used to be, they couldn't accept it because they saw who God was bringing me to be. And I have friends now that I can call, and they call me, and no matter what I'm going through, they're going to be there right there for me, and I'm going to be there right there for them. That takes time. That takes trust. That takes being vulnerable. That takes being willing to be hurt, willing to be rejected in order to get there. A friend loves at all times, and they stick closer than a brother. So you be careful who you choose as friends. You, you want a friend that loves God. You want a friend that, ha that has the same values as you. You want friends that accept you for who you are right where you are. You, it doesn't mean that they won't challenge you and they, they don't encourage you to be a better individual, a better believer, a stronger in your faith. They should. If you have friends that are around you and they're accepting you in your sin and they're not speaking up, that is not your friend. That is your companion in sin. But if they love you in spite of you and they, they're speaking life into you in an encouraging way, in a loving, in a, a graceful, in a mercy, but yet a truthful way, that is your friend. And they stick closer than a brother. And I, John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down, and to lay down one's life for his friends. And if you want better friends, you need to be a better friend. Luke 6, 26, woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the, the false prophets. 
If everyone is talking good about you, then you're probably abusing yourself in order to appease them. You're there spread thin over life and there's little little of you because you're trying to please everybody else for the sake of being accepted and you're truly just abusing yourself. Woe to you. Luke 6.22 says, Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Not because you're a jerk. <laughs> for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in, the day, in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did this to the prophets. So rejoice when men hate you. Rejoice. Last week, had a family come up and they just said, thank you so much for teaching the word. Thank you. We've been at church to church, church after church, and church after church, and church after church. They put a little bit of Bible in all of their doctrine. I said, did that ever set you free? No. Because only the truth is going to set somebody free. And your staff up here does not mind walking things out in a difficult manner with you, loving you along the way, but they're going to speak the truth because we can't accept a watered-down gospel because it won't bring change to your family and it won't bring change to the nation if we water it down. So sometimes the word sounds a little strong and sometimes Pastor Nathan gets a little passionate and sometimes he speaks to my rejection and I want to... (laughs) I'm not rejecting you. It's the hurt whisperer lying to you. He's revealing areas of your soul that are hurt, and God is saying, if you'll just bring it into the light, it will be light. But you got to do the hard work of dealing with it and allowing those hurts and those wounds and the emotions to come up so God can process those, and you can process those with them so they don't stay in there and don't continue to ruin your family, your relationship, and then in inadvertence, they're going to ruin your kids' lives as well. You ever heard of a generational cycle, iniquity, origins, whatever you want to call it? You ever wonder why, boy, they, oh, Johnny boy, just like his daddy. Because daddy didn't deal with his stuff. So Johnny boy is doing the same thing daddy did because daddy won't man up and, and deal with his stuff. And mama won't humble up and allow God to do some heart work. And so Susie hates all men. Little, little Shaquana. Oh, she's a man-eater. <laughs> and churches have watered it down to be politically correct so that they'll try to be accepting and accepted by everyone because of their own rejection. Jesus knew this is going to happen. He tells us this is going to happen. It's supposed to happen. It's part of relationships. It's part of growing you're going to be rejected, especially if you're a Christian. If you, you don't want it to happen, but it's going to happen. It's a part of life. You can expect it not in an unhealthy way to where you start to defense mechanism up and you start causing your own rejection, and then you can say, yep, I'm right. What do you mean you're right? You cause that. But you expect it going into, you know what, if something doesn't work out, I'm going to invest anyway. I'm going to lean in love anyway. I'm going to be vulnerable anyway. And if I'm delivering the love of Jesus and the word of Jesus in a graceful and a merciful way, they're not rejecting you. They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting the word of God that is flowing through me, and they're not ready to receive that thing yet. 
So we think things like these unrealistic expectations, these toxic thoughts that we have, we think, well, everybody's going everybody's gonna to like me. No, they're not. You can have, you can have the best smelling cologne in all the world, and somebody's going to say, that stink, you stink. <laughs> you can have the whitest teeth in the county, and somebody said, they're not white enough. I can see spots all over them. Not everybody's going to like you, and that's okay. Another toxic thought. Oh, life's going to be easy. No, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. Life's hard. There's no sense in being hard on others, but we got to love them in the truth. we got to give them the truth. Life's hard. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Hey, I've already overcome it, so don't worry. Another toxic thought is this. Everyone's going to treat me well. No, they won't. And when they don't, your toxic thought has had so much expectation in your mind caused it that when everybody doesn't treat you well, rejected, can't believe it. Not everybody in that church said hi to me. I'm never going back there. That's the most hateful church in town. <laughs> Somebody can't have a bad day. Forgive those who reject you and give them God's love and acceptance in return. Number four, forgive them. Forgive them. People are wrestling with stuff. People have hurts. People have wounds. People have things that they're going through. Some more than others. They're going through stuff. Love them. Accept them. Don't be fake. Be real. Move beyond your own insecurities. Move beyond your own rejections. Call out the things that are causing you to be held back rather than leaning forward with others and with God. Call it out in yourself. What's that? Why is that there? What's going on in my heart? What am I dealing with? What lie did I believe? Call it what it is. Luke 6, 27, 29 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Remember when I said, remember what faith is? This is faith in the kingdom. I know that I'm honoring God when I'm doing this right here. I know that the spirit of rejection is not controlling my life when I can do that right there. When I cannot respond with rejection because of someone else's rejection and let it become my rejection. And in the midst of that, I can stand firm knowing that this isn't about me. This is their stuff. And I can love them. Lord, bless them. I can do good to them. And I don't know what I can do, but I just want to bless them. I'm going to help them. I can pray for those. Lord, man, I just pray for so-and-so. It really hurt whenever they did this. But Lord, I know they're hurting. And I don't want their hurt to be my hurt. So Lord, I pray for your best in their lives. And you start to have compassion. 
And when you're able to do that, the kingdom of God just enters into your situation, into your life, into your soul. And all of a sudden, there's deep level of faith starts to rise up. And you realize it no longer has control or has you in bondage. It no longer has you restricted. And you start to feel this deep level of empowerment and freedom. And all of a sudden, things start to untwine and unwind off of your life. Things that have been holding you up for years as if you're tied up in chains and you didn't even know it is the case you just thought this is life it's not this is life this is kingdom and when I can do that I'm so set free from those people from the situations and now I can truly trust God and ask God for his best for their life and in return he gives me his best for my life because I was so thoughtful and not selfish. He begins to bless me unmeasurably. Like, whoa, how did that start to happen? You started to exercise your faith. So it challenges where we are in our faith right now when we read scriptures like this and say, whoa, you don't know, you don't know what my dad did to me. God does. You don't know what my mom said, my grandfather, my uncle did to me. God does. In the moment, and for as long as we stay embittered, angry, rejected by those people or those situations, we're actually staying connected and tied to those individuals and situations. So you think you're distanced and we'll have a wall in between, but no, you're locked up and tied to, and you're in bondage to the very situation and the very people you can't stand, because you won't do this. No wonder my decisions are all jacked up. Yeah, because Satan's been running through your world all your life based on a whisper that he put in the midst of a terrible situation. But God the Father was always right there and say, if you'll just come to me, you'll just come to me. I've got so much healing, so much freedom, so much forgiveness, so much acceptance for you. You are not worthless. You are worthy. Luke 6.36, I'm ending here. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Say it this way. We've got to quit being defensive. Don't be offensive. But we've got to take, we have to take responsibility for leading our lives in the direction that God himself desires for our lives, our family, to go. It's on us. I'm not going to be unwise. I'm not going to put, get myself in, into relationships or situations that are foolish. It's okay. I'm going to get hurt. But I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my life so I will know and experience the will of God for my life. I want to pray for you. So if you will, just right there, just be in God's presence and learn to discern the presence of God. If you just open your hands, just like, a, like you're holding a baby, and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I want, to, I want you to just, if, you're, if you can, if it's not too hard, just to see right there, falling into your hands, the, the people, the moments, the experiences that have caused rejection in your life. And 
as the Holy Spirit is just revealing those things through you, I want to ask you just to bless, to forgive. Say, Lord, I forgive these people, these situations. Lord, I bless these people with your very best in the kingdom of God. Father, I release them back to you. And Father, I thank you for so much acceptance. So much love. Father, I want to do this your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Y'all just stand up. We're going to worship one more time. If you've we have not met you. We're going to be over in the Connect Room. We'd love to get to know you. Love to meet you. And man, we just love you guys. We are praying for your freedom. We are praying for your release. We know you are tired of doing life the same old way. So we can. Let's just worship God because he is amazing God. Amazing God.